All right, it's time for us to get started. It's hard to believe it's already Wednesday night, but it is. We've got a, a good crowd here tonight. Uh, a lot of our regular night Wednesday attendees are here. I hope that's fixed. Nope. It's not you. Anyhow, thank you for being here uh, tonight, and uh, many of you have been here each and every night. And if you are visiting with us, I just want to put in a word real quick uh, to invite you to our regular services here at Delreda. Uh, we meet every Sunday morning uh, for Bible class at 9, our worship at 10, and then at 5 o'clock. And uh, we have outstanding classes for the kids Every service, your kids would enjoy being here, and I think you would enjoy being here. We have excellent adult classes as well. Of course, Sunday is Father's Day, and uh, I plan to preach a lesson on Sunday morning at 10 about the kind of father God chose for his son. And we're going to look at that and uh, hopefully encourage all of us, but especially fathers this coming Lord's Day. But again, thank you for being here each and every night. Uh, after Rob is finished tonight, you'll be invited to stay and enjoy a period of fellowship, uh, some cookies and refreshments, and uh, we hope that you'll take advantage of that and give us an opportunity to know you better. Our speaker tonight is Brother Rob Baker. I think all of us here basically know of Rob and his work with Apologetics Press. Uh, Rob is a very capable and able teacher of God's Word. And uh, he's a very talented individual in many, many respects. We love his family. They're here tonight as well. And so I'm going to turn it over to Rob for the remainder part of the, part of the time tonight. And I hope you'll enjoy the message he's going to present. Oh, yes. No, sorry. You can go back there if you want to, but there will be no refreshments. Ice cream. Ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> and there will probably be some cookies down there, too. Good evening. This does work. That's great. It is so good to be back here. I feel like I need to like sing some songs up here for VBS, but I'm not going to. Uh, but it is so good to be here. And uh, I hope you guys are excited about uh, what you have learned all week so far. You've talked about the might or the power of God, first in creation and how he created this world, second you heard from Kyle in dealing with the power over the storm. And then last night you heard about um, the power of God dealing with Korah. God is amazing. And he teaches us so many things. And tonight I want us to talk about how Christ is the master teacher. And the last thing that we are going to deal with is we are talking about the power or the might of God in feeding the 5,000. You see, when we get there, though, it's not just about the 5,000. It's not about the food, but it's about the lesson that Christ is trying to teach. And it's amazing how you can read one passage of Scripture and you might not get all of the information from it. But then, when you go and you realize that this same story is in every one of the Gospels, and when you read each one of the Gospels, you get more information, and then you get more information, and then you get more, and when you put it together, you have the whole picture. You see, God's already teaching us, just by looking at Scripture, that you can't just take a part of God's Word, 
and know exactly what he wants. You have to take it as a whole. And when we use God's word as a commentary to what he wants us to see, and we look at all of scripture, then we get the full picture. And that's what we're going to do tonight in dealing with the feeding of the 5,000. So if you guys want to, go ahead and open up your Bibles. You can mark Mark chapter 6. We're going to be in Mark chapter 6, and we're going to be in John chapter 6. The passage is also in Matthew chapter 14, Luke chapter 9. I'm going to reference some of those, but the main passages that we're going to be flipping back and forth from is Mark 6 and John 6. You see, Jesus had a phenomenal way of teaching lessons to individuals. You see, he would meet the physical needs of people, whether it is by food, whether it's by healing of diseases or sickness. He would heal them. He would do that in order to teach a spiritual lesson. He also had the power of teaching individuals by showing compassion. When you go to Mark chapter 6 and you look at verse 34, when he saw the individuals and you, he saw them coming, he had compassion for them because they were like a lost sheep without a shepherd. And he's teaching us, look, we need to have compassion for those that are lost and that compassion has to exceed our own desires. You see, the apostles, Christ, they are worn out. They went to a deserted place because they needed time to rest. But when Christ saw the multitude, he put up his own needs to be able to help those who had a greater need. And that was their spiritual need. He also teaches us by helping us realize, you know, some people take a long time to learn a lesson. We have to have patience. We have to have patience. And when we look at this story of feeding of the 5,000, we will have the opportunity to see how he uses all three of these in order to teach us a lesson as well. But before we can even get to this, before we can fully understand or grasp what is going on or the magnitude of what Christ is teaching the individuals in feeding the 5,000, we need to go all the way back to Mark chapter 4. If you go back to Mark chapter 4, you see Jesus is teaching. He's taught parables to everyone, and now he's, he's taking that boat. He's going across the sea. And as he's going across the sea, and you guys already had this lesson, but... The storm comes, and he has to teach his, his disciples something. He has to teach them, look, I have power over nature, and he calms the storm. Mark chapter 5, 1 through 20. You see, all of this is happening in a specific area. All of this is happening in the Sea of Galilee, from one side to the other. He gets in the boat, goes over to one side, he teaches a lesson. He gets back on the boat and goes back to the other side. So as he has calmed the storm, he's still on the boat. He's getting to the other side. And as he gets to the other side, he gets to the Gardeans. And at the Gardeans, he's there, and here comes the demon-possessed man. And he heals him. God's teaching his apostles, look, I have power over nature, and I have power over the demons. But it's not it. He gets back in that boat. He goes back across. 
And as he goes back across, he finally comes to the opposite side. And there he has this woman who has had the issue of bleeding for over 12 years. She touches him, and she's healed. And Jesus is teaching his apostles again, Look, I have the power over nature, I have the power over demons, and I have the power to heal the sick. Same time, in the same area, Jairus comes to him, My daughter's sick. She's not going to make it. I don't need a physician. I need the great physician. And he gets Christ. And he takes him. Before he even gets to the house, it's proclaimed that his daughter is already dead. And Christ tells him, Do not worry. Just believe. Believe in me. Believe in what I can do. And Jesus heals. And Jairus' daughter raises her from the dead. You see, the apostles, his disciples, are all there. They're witnessing all of this. Christ taught them again, I have the power over nature. I have the power over demons. I have the power to be able to heal sickness, diseases. I have the power over death. And then we see what he does in chapter 6. And this is before the feeding of the 5,000. The apostles are learning who Christ is, but they haven't learned it yet. Chapter 6, starting in verse 7. Christ sends his apostles out. And he gives them the power over demons. He gives them the power to be able to heal the sick. Verse 7, and he called the twelve of the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. And he commanded them to take, and here's the thing, he, he said, I want you to go out, but here's the stipulation, you got to obey me. you got to obey me, and this is what I want you to do. Verse 8, take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bag, no bread, no copper in your money belts. He said, you're going on a trip. You're going to be teaching. Don't take anything with you. Why? Because Christ wanted his apostles to realize, I also have the power to take care of every physical need you have. And now, with that understanding, understanding what Christ has already been trying to teach them, now we get to the lesson in which Christ is trying to teach them when he feeds 5,000. And this actually is happening right after the apostles come back. Turn with me to Mark chapter 6, if you're not already there. We're going to start in verse 30. And I want you to grasp, I want you to have a mental picture of what is going on, how this is proceeding, and how Christ is taking this opportunity to be able to teach his disciples a spiritual lesson. Verse 30. And then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told them all things, both they had done and what they had taught. What's this referring to? It refers all the way back in, to verse 7. Christ sent them out, and now they've just come back. And they're excited. They're, he's, they're telling Christ, look at, look at what you allowed us to be able to do. They realize that it's through his power that they could do these things. 
Verse 31, and he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Christ saw their needs. Christ saw that they were exhausted. They're excited, but they're exhausted. It says come to this deserted place. Well, where is that deserted place? Here it doesn't say. But in Luke chapter 9, verse 10, it says that they went to the deserted place, which was associated with the city of Bethsaida. So now we know where they're at. Again, this is on the opposite side of the Sea of Galilee in a specific area. And the people came to him. Verse 31. Let us rest for a while, for there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him. So we can better understand this. They knew him. They knew Christ. How did they know Christ? In which way did they know Christ? This passage doesn't say it. But the word of God is its own commentary. And if you go to John chapter 6, verse 2, it tells us exactly how they knew him. I mean, John chapter John 6, verse 2, it says they had saw his signs, and that's why they were following him. He, they saw their signs and how he was healing the sick and the diseased. And that's how they knew him. They knew of his reputation. They knew of his power. And they said, I want to be around that. I need him in my life. And we're going to follow him no matter where he goes. And so when they see that boat taking off, they're like, let's follow. And they did. Verse 34, and Jesus, back in Mark chapter 7. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they are like sheep without a shepherd who had gone astray. And so he began to teach them many things. You know, when I think of this passage and I think of, okay, he taught them many things, I think of the time when Jesus was riding on the ground and I always wonder, what was he writing? Was he just like doodling, not really knowing what he's doing? Well, here it says he t they taught him many things. What were they? Luckily, we know exactly what they wrote. Luke chapter 9, verse 11. But when the multitude knew, they followed him and received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. Christ talked to them about the kingdom that was to come. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of which he was going to establish. And he taught them about these things. And it wasn't just a few minutes here, a few minutes there. So when you go back to Mark chapter 6. And when the day, verse 35, when the day was now far spent... It's not just an hour or so. It's been far spent. It's, it's, it's almost gone. His disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. You 
Peter. You, Philip. You, Andrew. You give them something to eat. And they respond. Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? In John 6, it says 200 denarii would only give them a little bit, a partial, not filling, but a partial amount to eat. Now, I want you to understand how much that is. If you look at history, the denarii was worth a day's wage. One denarii is worth a day's wage. So if we take that, and let's put it into our, our day and age. Minimum wage. It's going to be $7.25. This time they're probably working a 10-day shift. So 10-day, I mean a 10-hour shift. So that would be around $72.50 for that day. That's for one day. Times that by 200, and you get $14,000. So the apostles are saying, if, if we just, if we get $14,000 worth of food, that's just going to be able to give them, hey, here's a piece of bread. And that's it. Now, we just came back from camp. My family and I, a lot of the individuals here at Delroy, we just came back from camp. And camp food... Is cheap. So I'm going to give you a cheap analysis of how much this would cost to fill it. At camp, you have a full meal, and it's around $4. I'm going to round it up to $4. It's not exactly 4 but it's around $4 for a meal. You take the $4, and then you calculate how many people are there. According to different historical notes, uh, estimates, all right? This is just an estimate. It says there was 5,000 men. That did not include any ladies. It did not include any kids. So at the lowest amount, let's say you had 5,000 men, 5,000 ladies, and one child for each for them. So 15,000. Oh, I mean 1,500. 15,000, sorry. 15,000. And then you times that by $4 each. $60,000 to feed them. And Christ says, you do it. Again, he's, he's doing it on purpose. There's a reason for it. You want to find out why? Let's turn to the other passage. Go to John. John chapter 6. He says, well, where are we going to buy the bread that we may eat? But this he said to test them. Christ is saying, I'm asking you this because I'm trying to test you. I've already told you. I have the power over all these things, over nature, over demons, over sickness, over death. In life, and over all physical needs you might have. And this is just a physical need out there. And so he's doing this to test his apostles. Again, he's the master teacher. He knows exactly what they need to know. They know he knows exactly how to teach them so that they get the point. And they haven't got it yet. But he's getting there. 
Now let's go back. Now that we understand the grasp of how much this is, verse 38 in chapter 6 of Mark. But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. He said, Go. Go. Find it. You guys go. That's your, that's your job. You go and find what you have. What did, what did all these people all together, what do they have? And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all, everyone, Everyone ate and were filled. Again, grasp that. They didn't just have enough and they're a little hungry still. They were full. God took care of not just their need, but more than that. He filled them. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. I don't think that's just a coincidence. That is, 12 baskets, 12 apostles. Christ is teaching him a lesson. Each one of you, you have to learn this. I'm going to fill, take care of you, and then some. And each one of the apostles had a basket full. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Now that we understand the story, now let's get to the lesson. You see, Christ, as we've already talked about, already taught them a lesson of his power and his might over nature, over demons, over sickness, over life, death, and over all physical things. And he's getting to his next lesson for his apostles. Now that we understand that behind us, now we understand this part, then I have three lessons that I believe Jesus wants us to learn from this miracle. Now, there's probably more, but these are the ones that I'm grasping from here, from this lesson. And the first one is, Jesus is the only one who can provide for all of our spiritual needs. And you might be like, well, how do you get that from this text? Again, it's not just from this text. We haven't finished this text yet. We're going to go into it in just a second. Jesus is the only one who can provide for all our spiritual needs. Now we're going to look in John. Everyone turn to John with me. John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 9. You see, I mean, verse 6. You see, this whole thing was done so that Christ could test his apostles. Why is he testing them? Because he knows they haven't grasped the lesson yet. They know He knows that they have not received it and fully understand what he's trying to teach them. And he's trying to make sure that he does. 
If you're in John, you know John chapter 6, 1 through 14 is dealing with the 5,000. But the story doesn't end there. And a lot of times we segment God's word into these little categories. But if you continue on and look at verse 22 in John chapter 6, here's the lesson he's trying to teach. Verse 2 of chapter 6, it says, And the great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. They kept following him. They kept following him. Right after this, you see Jesus walking on water. He's getting to the other side. Again, he's just going to the other side of Sea Galilee. When he gets there, he sees another multitude. They're waiting for him again. Why? Verse 22. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs. Well, that's why they seek them first. That's what it said in verse 2 of chapter 6. But it's changed now. You don't seek me because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Now these individuals are following because they want that food. They want the physical no one else has ever been able to fill him the way he did in the way in the way in which he did as well. And now they're following him because of that. And Christ says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Here's the beginning of the, of the lesson. He fed the 5,000. But now he's saying, it's not about the food. That's not the reason for it. He said, you need something that's going to fill you spiritually. That's going to give you the fulfillment that nothing else can. And they're like, well, wait a second. And it goes down verse 30. Verse 31 actually talks about, and our fathers ate the manna in the desert. They're thinking, you must be this prophet just like just like Moses. Because he was able to feed all the Israelites. And manna came down from heaven. And Christ is saying, now you're getting there. Now you're getting it. Verse 32. And Jesus said to them, Most surely I said to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. What's the true bread? Verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Here's that lesson. Why did he feed the 5,000? Because he knew they were going to follow him for that bread. He wanted to teach them, look, you had this physical bread. You saw it, you ate it, you took part of it. But that's not the real reason. I am the bread of life that came from heaven. You already understand that because you know exactly about the story of Moses and the manna that came from God. You see, you take that physical lesson in the Old Testament. Now he's bringing a spiritual meaning of it in the New Testament. And he's saying, I am that bread of life. You can eat all this physical food you want, but it's not going to do anything. You'll still be hungry. But if you take of me, then you will be filled. John chapter 1 Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's the word. 
He is that which came down from heaven. He is that which can fulfill us fully spiritually if we will grasp onto it. Let's keep going. Verse 51 in chapter 6. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Spiritual. Again, he's gone to the spiritual. You will live forever. You will be with me eternally. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. He's telling him, I'm about to give my life up for you. And he's teaching, as we all know, foreshadowing of how we would communicate and how we would commune in remembrance of Christ, his body, and his blood. He's teaching this to all those individuals and to his apostles. Verse 66. The sad part is, from that time on, many people no longer followed him. From that part, from that time, many people was like, that's too much. I can't do that. I'm here for the physical food. You're talking about the spiritual stuff. I don't need it. I don't want it. Verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, whom shall we go? You have the words of life. Lesson learned. Took from Mark chapter 6 all the way to past the time of feeding the 5,000. Who am I? Who am I trying to make you understand? I am from God. I am God. And now people are turning away and he says, who should we go to? You are the word of eternal life. 69. And we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You see, Christ had patience enough to wait to help his apostles to fully understand who he was. Now they learn not only the different powers he had, but he also had that power. The only one who could provide for our spiritual needs for every one of them. Because he is the word. Of life. And he used the physical food of feeding the 5,000 for them to fully understand the spiritual food that only comes from his word. Lesson two that I think you can gain from this story here is Jesus wants us to be the ones who feed men spiritually. Let me say it again. Jesus wants us to be the ones who feed men spiritually. We always say Jesus feeding the 5,000, but he provided the food. But he made his disciples to feed the individuals. And I'm doing it in this manner because, remember, he is the word. And he has given us a great commission. Mark chapter 16, 15, 16 
It says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who does not believe shall be condemned. He has given us this command to go and do so. He gave his apostles the same command in regards to, Here's the food, you deliver it to those that are hungry. Are you seeing the spiritual aspect here within this physical lesson? God provides what we need spiritually. And He's asking us to deliver it. You go out. You teach. You have my word in the story. You have the basket of food. You hand it out. You fulfill those needs that the lost souls have. He's teaching them a story. I mean, He's teaching them a lesson. I want you to be the ones who feed men spiritually. And again, you go back to John chapter 1, verse 14, just so we fully understand. The Word became flesh. We have the Word here. And it's His Word that allows us to have hope of eternal salvation. He's commanded us as Christians to deliver it. People won't always accept it, but we're here to deliver it. And he teaches us that lesson in the story here. See, the question I have is, are we taking the baskets, the life-saving bread, the Word of God, to the lost? That's a lesson that he is teaching the apostles. And they got, it. they got it. Do we get it? And then the last one tonight. Jesus teaches us that some of the greatest examples are taught by those who are young. John chapter 6, 8 and 9. So one of the apostles, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what is that among so many? Let me go through this rather quickly. But here we have that situation. Christ sent out his apostles. He said, go find whatever you have. Whatever food is out there, you go find it. Andrew comes back and says, here's a lad. He has two fish and he has five loaves. But what's that among so many people? This young lad gave his all for Christ. Can you imagine this? 15,000 people out there. No food. Everyone's hungry. Kids are crying. They're all, as my daughter has a shirt that says, I'm hangry. When you're hungry, you're angry. You can see this right at this time. They've been all together. It's almost like me going to a restaurant, and you come in, and you are so hungry. You look, and everything you see, you're like, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. And then you're there, and you, you see Andrew bringing this young lad with food. And for me, that'd be like being in a Mexican restaurant, and someone comes by with a fajita. And you have the sizzling of the onions and the green peppers, that aroma, and the smell of the steak. 
And they're walking by you. And you know these people are like, food, as he walks by. And this boy, that's all he has. He knows I can't fish, I can't feed everybody, but he is like, you have it. And even the apostles saying, what's that? That's not going to feed anyone. And too many times, we don't take the lesson that this young man is teaching us about stewardship. He gave his all, everything he had, to Christ. And Christ was the one that made it multiply. What are we giving of ourselves to the Lord? Is it our time? Is it our money? Is it the things that we have? How are we using what God has blessed us with to bless others? And we might think, well, we don't have enough. There's no way that this is really going to make that big of a difference. The apostles didn't think so. But God can do amazing things with whatever we have. There's so many examples of this happening. The church of Macedonia, they gave with joy even though they were in deep poverty. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 2. The widow, she gave all that she had even though it was only two mites. And Christ commends her for not the amount, but her heart in giving all she had. This young man did the same thing. Now I want us to fully understand here. If God can bring every one of the animals in the world and bring them to Noah, do you not think, if he needed to, he could have had any one of those individuals to bring food for this time? Yes. Of course. But he's taking this opportunity to teach a valuable lesson. And he uses the young man to do so. And too many times I think we forget 1 Timothy 4.2, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in what this young boy did, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. He taught his apostles by this young man, you give your all to me, and I can make things happen. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to give what we have? Are we willing to give our abilities, our time, our money for the Lord? You see, in Acts chapter 2, the church grew. And why? Because they had all things in common. How did they grow? In verse 45, they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. That's what the church family is all about. Are we doing that? Can we learn that lesson from this young boy? You see, Jesus can provide for all our physical and spiritual needs. He wants us to be the ones that are... Feeding men spiritually. And he wants us to give our all. He wants us to give our all. We might not think it's much. Others might not think it's much. But if we're giving our all, our all God can do amazing things through us. I hope you've gained a lot this week in the different lessons. But above everything else, I want us to understand that... God has the power to do all kinds of things. And he's asked us to go and teach it.
to go and tell others and to be that example. I hope we'll do that this week, next week, this year, and many more years ahead of us. Thank you so much for your time.